What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Love Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the MMA Torch Livecast Tuesday Conversation. It is Tuesday, September 7th. I am MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennick. My co-host, as always, MMA Torch columnist Matt Pelkey and MMA Torch contributor Rich Hansen. Uh, guys, we we didn't have a major event uh, this last week. It was another Thursday with the Bellator card, except uh, this one was heavily preempted throughout the country. Matt. Did we lose you, Jamie? Rich, you still here, right? Yeah, I'm still here. It looks like we lost Jamie. Anyways, what uh, Matt was, or uh, <laughs> what Jamie was going to talk about was uh, starting out with uh, Bellator 29 being the only event that actually went down this week, uh, and only Bellator on the radar for this coming week as far as major promotions go. But the big story of the day uh, will be the surprising release of Todd Duffy from his contract by the UFC. Um, this came out of left field only about an hour or maybe two hours ago, and uh, we're trying to figure out the wherefores and the whyfores. Uh, Matt, have you heard anything as to, to what might be driving this? No, it just broke, like, not too long before we went on the show. I, I Googled it, and the only thing I found was from USA Today, like, 12 minutes prior to me uh, looking it up. So, I mean, it's obviously not because he, you know, went on a losing streak or looked unimpressive, so there's got to be... Obviously, something a little more behind the story. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, reading Josh Gross's Josh Gross's Twitter right now. Uh, he can be a really good source of information when he wants to be, and he put a post up 15 minutes ago. It says, "quote Sounds like accumulation of things led to US led UFC to release Todd Duffy. Overall attitude probably being at the top. Duffy's rep on plane to US, um, and then he he." Uh, posted uh, from someone else on Twitter nine minutes ago. It says, translation, he pissed somebody off, pretty much. And there are a couple others on here. It says, uh, I'm reading this for the first time. Hard to avoid, but Dana wasn't listening. It's unfortunate, but Todd's an ass. Said Duffy will keep fighting, of course. And in the last one, quote from Duffy's manager, Alex Davis, great one, via text, well, I'm not sure exactly what the problem or problems were. I tried. So, I mean, it, it's it, when you get someone that young and, and who got that much of a buzz and he gets released that suddenly, there's got to be more going on, but it's really hard to speculate because it is completely breaking news. So I don't really know how to respond to it yet because there's just not enough information to react to it on. 
I just love that. Hey, guys, I, I'm back with you here, and I'm not sure we got cut off there, but, uh, um, Rich, I caught the tail end of your comments there. Matt, uh, were, were you responding to him then? Yeah, I was just going to say it's, it's funny that we get a quote from uh, Todd Duffy's manager claiming that Todd Duffy is an ass. Um, I think that probably explains the situation uh, as quickly as possible. Um, I mean, certainly, like like I was saying before, it's not because he was unimpressive or, you know, on a losing streak or anything. There was obviously something more to this, and we'll get the details certainly as the story keeps coming out, but that's a, a big a big loss uh, to lose a, a good prospect like that for the UFC, but certainly there will be somebody else out there ready to snap him up. Well, Matt, I got yeah, to quote. That quote was about him being an ass isn't attributed to anybody, nor is it attributed to his manager, Alex Davis. It was just uh, one of the two comments that Gross made. It sounds like an unattributed quote on his Twitter feed, so just right. No, actually, he did He did attribute that to Alex Davis from a text, from a text okay. message saying, well, I'm not sure exactly what the problems or problems were. Uh, I tried hard to avoid, but Dana wasn't listening. It's unfortunate, but Todd's an ass. That was uh, attributed, in quotes, to Alex Davis, Todd Duffy's manager. I find his honesty refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, someone else had, had asked uh, if, if Duffy had been turning down fights, and uh, Gross tweeted back, I-, I wondered the same thing. Source said it's complicated. So uh, Duffy has had a series of injuries as well uh, that, that could have played into this. Uh, I, I, you go back to... He was signed very early in 2009, talked about as a big prospect, didn't end up making his debut until August uh, because of a series of injuries that he he was dealing with, then had another lengthy delay after being in the cage for only seven seconds uh, in that August fight against against Tim Hague, and then he was out until May of this year uh, where he fought Mike Russo, and obviously he he showed some uh, things that he needed to fix in his game, uh, but he, after getting knocked out by Mike Russo, he was again scheduled to face off uh, against John Madison in October and then pulled out of that fight with a lingering knee injury. Gilbert Ivel is now in that one, but, I, I mean, pulling out of fights and if, if he's being an ass behind the scenes and uh, if, if turning down fights is part of it, I'm, I'm sure it's a, a number of uh, things that went into this decision because he, he's, he's a guy that will likely be snatched up pretty quickly by strike force uh, that can be a breath of fresh air in their heavyweight division as, uh, as a young guy that still has a lot left to prove. Well, if you can be fired for being an ass behind the scenes, then I'm going to start being on my, uh, on my T's and Q's here for you, Jamie. So at least I'm good at some of this. <laughs> I, think I think it's telling that he, you know, the, the manager sounds like he's saying it was Dana's decision. You know, I was trying to avoid it, but Dana wasn't listening. Um, you know, we we all know, obviously, Dana White's a, a bit of a hothead in his business dealings, but he certainly understands, uh, you know, fighters that people want to see. And, and a lot of people, especially after that uh, first fight knockout that Todd Duffy had over Tim Hague, people were excited to see him. So I would assume Dana White's used to dealing with difficult people behind the scenes. So um, I, I'm interested to find out what exactly it had to be that, that made Dana White willing to cut a, a highly touted heavyweight prospect like this. Yeah, even yeah. if he's not, even even if he's not quite the the huge prospect that you know everybody on the interwebs was, was hoping that he was going to become, to, to let a 25 year old with with that look and that power 
Gall is a complete free agent when you do have a company like Strikeforce who is, you know, potentially on its last legs, or even if I'm overstating it, at least in trouble, you know, to, to put someone like that out on the market who's instantly one of the, the five or six best heavyweights that, that Strikeforce would have is really telling. And this is not purely a, a talent-based move. It has to be because of stuff that we don't know about. The first, I mean, I'm not going to say what the first thought was in my head, but it, it wasn't something that you would want to have associated with your name if you're a fighter or an athlete at all. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's just an interesting situation because this is one of this is the type of thing we just don't see the UFC do, at least not very often. They they don't go about cutting guys after their first loss uh, unless there's seriously something else going on uh, that that's not out on the surface. And obviously, with this just breaking tonight. We'll find out a lot more uh, either tomorrow or later in the week uh, about what, what's gone on, I'm sure. Uh, Davis will make some comments. I'm sure uh, uh, the UFC may comment on it at some point. But um, right, right now it's just it's a very curious thing. And, and like you said, Rich, with Strikeforce, they're ready, willing, and able to pick up a guy like Todd Duffy that can definitely boost their roster. Uh, there has to be a lot more going into it for the UFC to make that call. Yeah, there's there's just too much to that could be involved, and anyone who says why this happened is just guessing and has no more information than anybody else. So I mean, really don't know what to say beyond that. You're listening into the MMA Torch Livecast Tuesday conversation. If you'd like to get in on the on the talk today, call into six four six seven one six eight zero nine zero. Press one to indicate you want to talk. We'll uh, do our best to get any any callers in and get their comments in on the air. Uh, you can also join us in the chat room at MMA Torch, or I'm sorry, at blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Torch. Uh, you can also follow us on the web throughout the week, MMATorch.com, uh, also on your iPhone or Android phones uh, with our app in both of those stores. Uh, we are here live every Tuesday from 8 to 9.30 p.m. Central Time. That's 9 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time if you want to uh, join us live on Tuesdays if you're listening in throughout the week. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook, twitter.com slash MMATorch, facebook.com slash MMATorch. Uh, I want to go back to what we opened up the show with, uh, Bellator, uh, and, uh, they're failing to, uh, get the Joe Soto, Joe Warren fight out, um, live to all of their affiliates with, with many, many preemptions, but, uh, that ended up being the most enter- entertaining fight so far. Uh, for Bellator's third season, the very first championship fight they put on. Um, Joe Warren has a ton of holes in his game, but he still finds ways to win, and he still finds ways to uh, to prove he's he's a really really tough guy. Uh, I, I mean, he, he can he can come off as a complete jackass, uh, very cocky, uh, stereotypical wrestler uh, demeanor to him, uh, but at the same time. He forces you to respect what he does as a fighter. Uh, Joe Soto put a clinic in striking on uh, to, to Joe Warren and, and toyed with him in the first round uh, on route to a 10-8 round on any reasonable scorecard. And then he decided that he was going to continue showboating in the second round, uh, kept his hands down, tried to duck under a punch, got clipped behind the head, uh, took a bunch more shots on the ground, and 
as he tried to get up and uh, avoid the, the rush from Warren, ate a vicious knee to the jaw, followed by a left hook that put him out cold. Um, highly impressive uh, victory from Joe Warren after uh, getting destroyed uh, in the first round. And, and he showed a hell of a chin as well to take a ton of the shots that he did from Soto because Soto landed very clearly on a number of shots in the first round. Uh, but if you saw the whole thing, it was a highly entertaining fight. Uh, so, uh, you know, they had that going for him. But I will go, uh, Matt, over to you on your thoughts. I know you, you said you saw the highlights of this one, but what, what did you think of that knockout from, from Joe Warren? Well, impressive knockout by Joe Warren after the uh, the punch that landed on the back of the head. You know, I, I don't think enough is being really made about that. Um, but I think if this fight happens again, which I think it should, because these are the two best featherweights that Bellator has under contract, and, and why not uh, get them back in the cage together, together as soon as possible, I still think uh, Soto is the better fighter. Um, he proved that throughout the fight. Uh, I think, obviously, seeing the, the success he was having standing in that first round, he probably, you know, lost focus a little bit in the second round, thinking he could just keep doing that until Joe Warren eventually fell over. Um, but instead, he got a little lackadaisical, got caught with a punch, and Joe Warren stayed on him, capitalized, just like uh, Matt Serra did to George St. Pierre when he caught him with a punch in their first fight. Um, you know, I, I, I would love to see a rematch. I'd love to see uh, Soto have to defend, you know, fend off a lot of shots from Joe Warren, and I'd like to see him keep his focus throughout the entire fight, not, you know, spend less time showboating, spend more time putting those combinations together and, and uh, finishing the fight. Rich, your thoughts here? Well, I don't even know that Warren won it as much as, as uh, Soto lost it from impersonating Nick and Nate Diaz, you know, with the arms out, you know, throwing punches, you know, with, with both hands at his waist, thinking that, He's untouchable, and I think it was his arrogance as much as anything that that clipped him. And that said, he knocks out 90% of guys in the first round, showboating or not. The fact that Joe Warren stayed in it and and, and did what he did in the second round is a testament to him. It, it, it's it's possible to win a fight that you didn't deserve to win, and that's that. I didn't really phrase that right, but that's. Joe, Joe Warren impressed much more than, than I expected him to. Now, if they fight ten times, do I think Joe Warren can fight that fight and win more than two or three times? No, but he didn't have to. Uh, and based on the Bellator rules, the only fight that they can make for either guy is, is Warren Soto maybe 15 times in a row because the way I understand Bellator's rules the only people eligible to fight for, for the title are people that have won the tournament. So far, that's two featherweights. So we can see that fight until each of, the, each of their contracts run out. Um, I mean, Toby Amani didn't win a, a tournament, so he's not going to get a shot, you know, so on and so forth. It, it, it's, it was an impressive chin, and I, I'm reluctant to put too much credit to Joe Warren, despite his, his impressive grit. Simply because Toby or Toby not um, Joe Soto was taking that that fight for granted. Yeah, and the thing with Joe too is he puts himself in ridiculously disadvantageous uh, positions. I mean, uh, get very nearly submitted by uh, Eric Marriott, Georgie Carahani, and, and Patricio Pitbull Freje 
in all three of those fights in the featherweight tournament in season two. Uh, he, he put himself into ridiculous positions that he powered his... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Way out of. Uh, he did not get out with technique. He, he found ways to, to power through. Uh, really, really benefited from um, a, a ref that was letting him survive in, in the fight with with Pitbull, and came back to win that one, which was very debated with the split decision and uh, a lot of people thinking that it should have been at the very least a draw with a 10-8 to, to Frehe in the first round. Uh, but you've you got to give him credit for coming back the way he has and uh, and doing what he's needed to do. Now he's set to fight again later this month. He's taking on Michihiro Omagawa in, at Dream 16 in, uh, on the 25th. And, you know... I don't expect him to go into that fight and, and beat Omagawa, but at the same time, he continues to find ways to win fights despite uh, being at a disadvantage, not being nearly as well-rounded as the fighters he's facing. Uh, he's just a very, very tough guy. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does now because he's talking about wanting to drop down to Bantamweight and uh, and fight in the bantamweight division, and then he's looking to take a break from MMA altogether uh, after 2011 uh, to, to concentrate on the 2012 Olympic Games. So Joe Warren's an interesting case, but he, he keeps winning fights and, and, and doing what he needs to do, and, you know, it was a hell of a knockout, and Joe Soto is going to come back a lot stronger, realizing he can't uh, leave his hands down like he did uh, when he's he's clearly outclassing a guy in a fight. So, um, Rich, what do you think is going to uh, go on with, with Joe Warren here in the next uh, year or so with, with what he's looking to do in both the Bantamweight division and the Olympics? Well, first, in the short term, what he's going to learn is that Michiro Omegawa is a much better boxer than, than Joe Soto, and Omegawa is going to keep his hands up for the entire fight. And we're really going to see what his chin and grit are made of because Omagawa is a major step up in competition for Joe Warren than Joe Soto. Well, that said, Joe Warren legitimately beat Yamamoto. I mean, different circumstances, smaller guy. But so I mean, I'm not saying Omagawa is going to win. Just saying this, this we'll see what he's made of. As far as the Olympic thing, I just don't know enough about Greco-Roman wrestling and the trials and and what you have to go through to have an overly informed opinion. But it would seem to me that he might be biting off more than he can chew. He's, gonna, he's what, 33 now, which puts him 35 by the time that rolls around. 
and I don't, I, I don't know enough about Greco-Roman wrestling to even say that it's a young guy's sport or not, but I can't imagine that by not training in Greco-Roman for at least the last 18 months while he's doing an MMA, that he's going to be in the best position possible to qualify for the uh, 2012 games in London. Matt, same thing over to you. Well, I think um, as far as his aspirations of going down to bantamweight, I can't imagine Bellator would be that excited about the prospect of him tying up two of their titles and then leaving while he's the champion to take an entire year or more off uh, to go train and then compete in the Olympics. Um, as far as the Olympics, um, I, I think it would be hard enough, as, as Rich said, you know, he's going to be 35 by the time the Olympics roll around. It would be hard enough if he had been training constantly and competing constantly uh, to make an Olympic wrestling squad at the age of 35. Um, but taking time off to train in MMA and, and get beaten up, especially in his last couple fights, it's not like he's steamrolling guys. Um, he's using his toughness and his grit and, and the fact that guys aren't taking advantage of the situations that, that they have against him um, and, and toughing out wins. And, and that's not conducive to healing your body and training for the Olympics and uh, um I mean, good luck to him if that's what he decides to do, but I hope he he kind of abandons the MMA uh, game if he's going to do that because that's going to take quite a commitment, and I'd rather see him commit fully to that. And then, you know, then, then the Olympics has the story of, well, hey, this guy was also spending time competing in MMA, um, and you don't have entire divisions in a promotion on hold for a guy that's not exactly a, a big star in the the same vein as, you know, if George St. Pierre was trying to make the Canadian wrestling team. Yeah, because belts or belts being as prestigious as they are, God forbid that we have, have two divisions being held up. <laughs> well, since we're on the Bellator vein, they have another event coming up in two days uh, from the Mahalia Jackson Theater in New Orleans, Louisiana. Yes, you heard that right. New Orleans, Louisiana on Thursday night, September That's 9th. Great. Um, I, I think there's something else going on that night, but I can't remember what it is. Oh, yeah, that's right. The NFL starts their season on Thursday with the New Orleans Saints hosting the Minnesota Vikings in a rematch of the NFC Championship game uh, from the 2009 season. And Bellator is running in the same city um, for largely the same audience. And, uh, I, I mean, at least they have the... Uh, foresight to book their weakest card from a name and setup standpoint uh, of the year, and, and this card really has nothing to do with their Season 3 tournament in the least. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, tournament qualifiers for Season 4 with Rich Clementi against Kerry Veneer, Georgia Karahanian against Anthony Leone. There's a middleweight bout between former UFC fighter Matt Horwich and Season 2 uh, middleweight tournament competitor Eric Shambari, and then there's a uh, uh, a feature local bout with uh, a couple of local fighters in the featherweight division uh, on FSN. And, of course, the one night here in Minnesota that Bellator runs a live event, uh, <laughs> they, they have been preempted for Twins games every week except for one in Season 2. And this is the first one in Season 3 on Thursday that is not preempted, and it's head-to-head with the Vikings and Saints. There will not be a soul in the city is watching Fox Sports Net on Thursday night. Um, I, I, I reached out to Bellator to get a, a comment from them on what, what the reasoning was for going forward with this. 
And uh, from Bjorn Revney himself, we got, we have a great event with great fights scheduled, and this is the one date on the schedule where our venue partners could bring us to New Orleans. Also, not all MMA fans are NFL fans, and in a football-crazed city, our nationally televised World Championship Tournament event provides a tremendous world-class alternative to the NFL. Um, Matt, comments? Jordan Redney talks like a publicist. Yeah, <laughs> uh, can we can we just break down the NFL game? That sounds a lot more intriguing than talking about this horrible Bellator card they're putting on that eight people are going to go to see. Um, you know, obviously, the three of us talking here makes up about 8% of Bellator's viewing audience on a weekly basis. So, you know, I don't... I, I can't I imagine... This year. <laughs> I don't think... I don't think putting this anywhere else was going to all of a sudden, you know, save this card and make it a big deal worth talking about. Um, they put on their worst card, and they're putting it in New Orleans, hoping to, I guess, maybe piggyback off some people who couldn't get tickets to the, the Viking Saints game. Other than that, I don't really know what the thought process was here. Maybe they booked this before the NFL schedule came out, but some something tells me the NFL probably has their their ducks in order a little bit sooner than Bellator does. Um, no. you know, card itself is nothing worth talking about. Main evented by Rich No Love Clemeni, who, strangely enough, is actually one of my guilty pleasures of, of fighters I like to watch. But um, it's not like he's a, a quality relevant fighter at this stage in the game, and, and he's headlining this card. So, you know, not much more to say. Yeah, about. I- I'm listening on Clemente. I remember, what was it, UFC 70, where he fought Gallard, and they didn't like each other, and he gave him the birds after he beat Gallard. So Clemente, not that I have anything against Gallard anymore, but just, you know, for being that much of a D-bag, you know, that, that, that skyrockets him up on my favorite fighters list. Um, I'll say this, to try and be 1% of the devil's advocate that I can actually do without laughing about it, is that at least if they would have done tournament fights on this card, they could have said, look, we're confident in our audience. We have our format. This is what we're going to do, and so be it. And if we have, you know, one event that doesn't sell jack and doesn't get ratings, that's okay because, you know, we're catering to our fan base and they expect to see us on Thursday nights. And if some of them defect for, for uh, you know, the Brett Favre retirement games, so be it. But... They're not even doing that. They're putting on a completely meaningless card where now don't I like Matt Horowitz. He looked really good against Talos Latis, and I don't think he got enough, for lack of a better word, exposure for that win. And Rich Clemente is, you know, I, I relevant isn't the right word, but I don't have a thesaurus in front of him. Known. So I mean I mean there there are reasons to watch under normal circumstances. But come on. I I mean that's that's how you break it down, you know? Really? No. It's just a mistake. See, I tried to play that with that. I can't even pull it off. <laughs> Good effort, though. I tried. Well, Good for me, though. Speaking of ineptitude in mixed martial arts promotion, we'll move on to the Shine Fights debacle. Um, this Friday, Shine is supposed to be airing a eight-man, one-night-only uh, lightweight tournament. Um and they were supposed to run at the Patriot Center in uh, Virginia. They just announced this two, three weeks ago uh, and had done very little promotion in the area as it was. Uh, but over the weekend, news broke that 
they would not be licensed by the Virginia State Athletic Commission. Uh, and in fact, they ended up moving their events to a uh, casino um, on Indian reservation land on tribal grounds in Oklahoma. Uh, they will not be sanctioned by the Oklahoma State Athletic Commission. And uh, they're continuing to talk as if they're going on with the event on Friday night on pay-per-view. Um, but uh, first they tried to place the blame on their uh, fan matchmaking first-round matchups of their tournament, uh, stating that that's why they were denied licensure in Virginia. Then they uh, decided to preemptively strike at the Virginia Commission, stating that uh, they stating that the commission uh, was unfairly um, changing the deals that they had verbally in place and saying that um, the commission was listening to reports uh, on the internet of uh, them not meeting their obligations from their last event, which did not go off uh, in May, the World's Collide pay-per-view event that was supposed to feature uh, boxer Ricardo Mayorga taking on Dean Thomas. Uh, that main event was canceled when Don King got an injunction against Mayorga fighting in an MMA fight. And then the event itself was canceled when uh, Shine failed to provide the money up front to the commission for to cover fighter purses and uh, the commission costs and, and the doctors and, and all of that. And, and there's still lots of reports of fighters not being paid from that event despite uh, Devin Price, the president of Shine, and uh, the new COO, Jason Chambers, trying to claim um, the contrary is true. And the Virginia State Athletic Commission now says that uh, it's a very similar uh, thing here that happened where they failed to prove that uh, they had a surety bond for the uh, for the event to cover the fighter purses, to cover the uh, official costs, and um, so that's why they they didn't have all the documents in time. They said they were trying to work with them. They wanted to help get the event put on. Uh, but Shine did not have their shit together is basically what it boils down to and could not prove that they had the money ready and able to pay their fighters. So we're in another situation with Shine possibly not paying their fighters and uh, an event that may or may not take place on Friday. Uh, Rich, there's, this is a lot to, to wrap your head around, but... Uh, your, your thoughts here on this whole shine debacle of the last week? Well, it's pretty easy to, to wrap my head around the fact that scumbags are getting what's coming to them. I, I don't see what's particularly difficult to figure out about that. They're, they're a completely classless organization with no interest whatsoever in doing what's in the best interest of the fighters. And if, I, if anything's been proven in the last three or four years, it's that if, if you haven't been in MMA for a while and you're trying to break in, you can't do it. You can't go from nothing to big overnight, bam, like that. So you can't make money at MMA at that level where they're trying to compete, you know, even though they say they're not, they're trying to compete. They're going on pay-per-view, you know, 10 events in. They're, they're trying to find the biggest name, um, fun sign fighters that they can and make a quick buck. And let, let's get it real straight. Shine Fights and any of the other, you know, organizations that are out there at that level, with Shark being a notable exception, 
and maybe MFC also being an exception, are in to cash out and get as much money as they can into their own pockets off of the backs and the sweats and sweat and the tears and blood of fighters and then cash out as quick as possible. Bodog did it. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, or tried to do it and failed. Affliction, same thing. Uh, what, what HD, what Mark Cuban's organization, same thing. Um, he, you know, he, he got into it just to support his, his network. Uh, and it's, you have to be, if you're a fighter, really careful with, with who you sign for and, and have a, a paid representative go over everything. And I wouldn't sign a contract with any of these fly-by-night organizations who are looking to leech money out of your off of your name without having it written in the contract, paid 48 hours in advance. So, Speaking of that, we have uh, an issue with one of the competitors in this, uh, this tournament, in Marcus Aurelio. Um, he has signed on to, well, he, he was announced over the weekend by Dream officials to be facing Shinya Aoki over in Dream at Dream 16 on September 25th. Well, apparently, Aurelio signed a worldwide exclusive contract with Shine that requires them to give him permission to fight elsewhere. Why anyone would sign a worldwide exclusive contract with anyone that was not the UFC, and I would even say Strikeforce at this point, um, I, I can understand doing an exclusive deal for a certain amount of time with Strikeforce, but if, if you're a fighter trying to make your, uh, your living in outside organizations, uh, we've, we've seen already issues with Bellator with this, with Dave Pee Wee Herman having difficulty getting fights in a big legal entanglement there, and now Marcus Aurelio possibly having the same issue with Shine, who may or may not even be promoting events, yet they have a contract uh, tying you down. Uh, I, I don't understand the logic behind signing one of these and uh, and going along with an organization like this that clearly does not have their uh, their their shit together, plain and simple. They, they don't have everything running smoothly. They don't have things working um, to a point where uh, signing a, an exclusive deal where you're putting your career in their hands pretty much um, makes any sense. And uh, Aurelio may have seriously screwed himself here uh, if, if that's the case because – the way things are going with Shine, I don't know that they're going to be giving him permission to fight elsewhere, especially if he doesn't take part in this tournament. And if he takes part in this tournament and it actually takes place, 
Uh, he could end up injuring himself. Uh, he could end up fighting for 41 minutes total in this tournament uh, with three fights in one night. It's it's uh, not um, conducive to his success and him getting paid and him making money um, to, to, to have this contract signed and the way things are going in Dream, it's not like he was guaranteed his, his paycheck when he gets over to Japan. But, uh, yeah, sorry, you got me off on a tangent there, Rich, when you talked about that. Uh, so you got to, you, you told me you have a quote here. What, what's, what's your quote on this? Uh, Shine Fight CEO Jason Chambers. Um, I can confirm that we do have an exclusive deal with Marcus Aurelio. I want to be fair with our agreement. I want our fighters to be fair. Our agreements are exclusive within that there is language that speaks to giving permission to fight in other organizations. So a fighter can fight somewhere else as long as we give that approval. But the money quotes are, I can confirm that I have not given any approval for Marcus Aurelio to fight in Dream. There's definitely a possibility. I love that. Definitely a possibility. It's one or the other dipshit. Marcus Aurelio fights in Dream. If you see him fight September 10th in our pay-per-view, those chances are greatly improved. That's extortion. Yeah, it, it, that's that's uh, pretty pretty clear with that quote from MMA Weekly, and 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 you're absolutely right on that, Matt. Uh, I want to get your thoughts here on on this situation. I know you're trying to get yourself back up to speed after being without internet for a little while, but uh, what, what's your take here on this whole debacle? Well, let's say this for for Shine Fight, um, despite not having put on the, the last event that they were going to, and I don't think this one's going down either. Uh, they sure do have us talking, though. Um, they know how to get their name in the news, so they've got that going for them. They don't really have a revenue stream, so I don't really know what us talking about them is really worth. Um, maybe instead of eight people ordering it, nine people will order this pay-per-view if it goes down, but other than that, <laughs> I, I don't really know what it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, they they really roped in. I mean, Drew Fickett, Crazy Horse, Rich Crunkleton, Carlo Prater, Marcus Aurelio. Um, there's five reasonably well-known fighters that they're advertising for this one-night tournament. I don't know how how desperate all of these guys are that they were willing to sign on to this. Uh, I don't know if the fact that it's now going to be an unsanctioned event on an Indian casino in Oklahoma uh, might change their mind. I would hope that every single one of these guys would pull out of this and say, I'm sorry, I'm not fighting without a whole lot of guarantees from you guys written in contracts. Uh, you know, there's, there's, it's not being overseen by an athletic commission, so it's up to Shine Fights, which we've seen how well they run all other aspects of their promotion. It's completely up to Shine Fights to get, you know, medical personnel and pay the fighters, pay the referees, to get competent referees, competent judges, um, you know, it, why would you why would you put your life in the hands of this promotion at this point? I wouldn't put yeah, five bucks in, in the hands of this promotion right now. I mean, Don King's got to be out there somewhere going. These are the people I was I was bullying around. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, and and it's it's just it, there's so much shadiness going on here, and Shine trying to make preemptive comments against uh, the Virginia Commission and lay the blame at uh, writers on the Internet uh, on, on uh, a Q&A on the under, underground. Jason Chambers was even trying to lay the blame 
on one of the posters on the underground for for daring to contact the Virginia Athletic Commission and try to get some answers on why they were allowing this organization to uh, to, to run an event. So they're trying to continually pass the buck when it's clear that they did not do what they were supposed to do to get uh, um, themselves licensed in Virginia. Uh, they did not. Uh, they're going against. Uh, the Oklahoma State Athletic Commission as well because uh, their tournament format was turned down at the beginning of the month. They were prepared to be uh, to, to be kicked out of Virginia. They they had Oklahoma as a backup plan, and this this one night only tournament. I mean, there's a reason one night only tournaments are not done in 2010. There's a reason they haven't been done since the late 90s. The sport is a very different sport. Yeah, they they do. And, and the fact is, if, if a fire gets uh, in, in a firefight and, and just absolutely a major brawl in the first round of the fight and takes a bunch of shots but still finds a way to win, and he's got to get back in the cage once or twice more, uh, you're, you're risking serious damage uh, on a uh, reservation where uh, there's, there's no commission overseeing this, possibly not a medical staff. Uh, you don't know if they're going to have an ambulance on hand. You don't know if they're going to be checking to make sure that your opponent isn't uh, uh, using anything illegal. Um, they don't have commission people to check uh, if the gloves are, are correct, if the wraps are correct. They don't have anyone doing anything in an unsanctioned event, which is why uh, you should not be taking part in this if you're a, self a self-respecting fighter. You should not be involved in this entire event if you're a self-respecting fighter. And clearly there's, there's people that just are not seeing this for what it is and have decided to go along with the organization. Um, it, it's just completely ill-advised, and I, I really still don't think that this event goes off on Friday, even though there's no way for the Oklahoma Commission to shut it down because of the, because of it being on tribal lands and this casino not working with the commission, um, I, I just I still have a feeling the event doesn't happen and more fighters get screwed again because they're trusting what the what this organization is telling telling them. I got to step on one thing you said there, Jamie. And the life of a fighter who's fighting at this level is a real bitch, and I don't envy them for a second because they earn so little and risk so much and have so many expenses and no insurance. You know, the life of an independent contractor. I won't begrudge any of these eight guys or anyone else who's trying to fight for the previous Shine fights. I mean, they have to go in with a grain of salt, mind you, that you'd wish they didn't have to go into. But, I mean, I guarantee that Shine fights is offering slightly more than some of the other, you know, regional promotions that, you know, you know, all these different three-letter acronyms that, you know, XFC and JQC and whomever the hell else, you know. So, I mean, fighters got to do what they got to do, and it, it, it's – they're not blind, and I get that, and it is the responsibility of their management to say, hey, you know, if we have the choice between Shine or, you know, this other group that isn't run by the Russian, Russian mafia, Shine is, you know, might not be the best choice for you, but if, if fighter signs with them, sometimes that's what they have to do because, I mean, who else are they going to fight for? It, it's not an easy life, and, and I don't envy the position any of these guys are in. You know, and that's a good point, too, and I, I, I don't envy, the, envy their position either, but at the same time, 
an organization offering something and actually delivering are two completely separate ideas, especially when it comes to this organization. And seeing what happened with the May event, for any of them to actually sign on for this and go along with it without demanding payment up front or uh, setting themselves up to make their money for doing the training that they're doing, um, it, it's very, very short-sighted on their point, and their management uh, needs to be doing a better job if, if that's the case. Uh, Matt, did you have some more comments here? I was just going to say, what's with no athletic commission overseeing things, what's to stop uh, Charles Crazy Horse Bennett from going Antonio Margarito and uh, putting plaster all over his hands before he steps in the cage? I mean, that, yeah, that alone all of a sudden has me morbidly excited about this card. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> with Charles, let me put this, every time Charles Crazy Horse Bennett takes, uh, walks in the cage, I'm always expecting it to be that seminal opening scene from the last Boy Scout where someone ends up getting shot in action. <laughs> There's no athletic. Well, moving on, so moving on from one local uh, organization that doesn't have their uh, their ducks in order to another one that is actually continually putting on successful events and uh, is coming with another one on Saturday night. Uh, the Texas-based Shark Fights uh, is is running on uh, September 11th from the Civic Center Coliseum in Amarillo, Texas, with a main event between former UFC light heavyweight Keith Jardine and uh, former Strike Force and many other organization uh, fighter Trevor Prangley, most recently seen uh, getting submitted by Tim Kennedy in Strike Force. But they have put together a very, very entertaining card for uh, being outside of the, the larger organizations. Um, $29.95 is a bit steep, but if you've got nothing better to do on Saturday night, you, there's a lot worse you could be spending your money on. Uh, with uh, a, a light heavyweight bout in co-main event between Houston Alexander and uh, Romeo Thierry Sokaju, Paul Daly returning to the U.S. Uh, and, and taking on um, Jorge Masvidal, Joey Villasenor taking on Danilo Villafort, and then Brock Larson taking on Tarek Safadine in what should be an absolutely excellent welterweight fight. Uh, Safadine has, has been quite impressive in, in appearances in uh, strike force. Larson has uh, rebounded with a, a couple of victories after some just strange performances from him in the UFC last year, uh, but but he's he's turning the corner and, and coming back up. So a very entertaining five fight uh, card. And if you're not doing anything else on Saturday night, uh, this is definitely one to see. And and for just to go back to Shine for a second, for them to run a pay per view on Friday night when this is when this card is on Saturday night, um, it, that is another one of the many, many, many idiotic decisions and, and moves they've made. But uh, Shark Fights has, has put together a hell of a fight card, uh, and it should be uh, quite interesting to see for those that tune in. Uh, Rich, I know you, you've you been excited for this one for a while. Uh, your thoughts here on, on the Shark Fights card on Saturday? Well, I'm just happy they're not headlining with Terry and Dory Funk Jr. versus the Von Erich brothers. There. Yeah. Um, it, it's a great card. I, I mean, this is equal to a lot of the cards Strike Force has been putting out, and I mean, it's not quite the televised version of 120, but it's up there. And I would dare say that I would rather see the fourth and fifth fights on this card, uh, via Senor Villafort, and then Larson Safadine over the fourth and fifth fights of UFC 120. You know, coming out. Uh, 
to the poorly shortchanged British public. You know, Congo versus Travis Brown, Claude Patrick versus James Wilkes. You tell me which set of bottom fights are more entertaining. And until a week ago, it was Via Senor versus Drew McFedders. I guarantee you I'd rather see that than either of those two fights at the bottom of the televised part of UFC 120. And credit to Shark Fights for having all their ducks in a row. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. McFedries, you get a promotion, you know, of this size or lack of size that loses a big name like Drew McFedries a week, week and a half before a fight, and they're able to line up someone like Noah Billford on that short notice. Good for them. They, they've, got, they've got their shit together, pardon the French. Um, I would like to see them do well. They're doing right by the fighters, other than the fact that they're putting it in the corrupt Texas Athletic Commission's hands. Uh, but, I mean, they let Jardine sign a one-fight contract, no exclusivity, because he said, look, my goal is to get back to the UFC. I'll fight for you because i got to fight somewhere. They said, no problem. You know, I mean, you, we make money off of your name. You get a fight against a big opponent like Trevor Prangley, and that's a tough fight, by the way. I would really like to see... Uh, Keith Jardine get a fight against someone who's not a fantastic wrestler sometime this decade, but don't hold, you know, I'm not holding my breath. Sokaju versus Alexander. I mean, I mean, that's one of those, those dream fights. Not dream fight like, you know, Liddell in his prime versus Vanderlei in his prime, but, you know, one of those what if. I mean, it's either going to be a hellacious knockout or a double gas out in the third round where both of them fall on their backs and get counted out like Rocky and Apollo at the end of, uh, of Rocky too, you know? I mean, they got fun fights. Paul Bailey's name has never been bigger. He's intriguing as hell right now. I, I mean, they did a fantastic part putting this thing together, and they've done it right. And yeah, their their price point—that's the one thing they screwed up on. Because I mean, I don't know about thirty bucks. Twenty bucks, I'm there. Thirty, who? I, I won't be. Just, I won't be pulling that trigger until like eight p.m. on Saturday night. Matt, your thoughts here on the on the shark fights card? Kudos to, to Shark Fights for, for showing all the other regional promotions how it's done. Um, obviously, they, they've, they're going to have to write some decent-sized checks to these guys, but they've, they've had these fights announced for so long. They've done such a good job promoting this fight. Uh, you know, any MMA website you go to, pretty much, it seems like there's Shark Fight banners all over the place. Um, I don't know how many pay-per-views exactly they're going to do at, uh, you know, $29.95. Uh, the only complaint I have is I wish it was $19.95. Uh, I think you get a lot more people um, to, to throw down that money. And, and maybe all they want is the, the, the bottom line, biggest amount of money that they can get to come in for this show uh, as opposed to, to building their brand. Um, since basically every card is like a one-off show for them, um, they're not building anything. This is this is the, the regional promotion that 
you know, plucks out the the biggest names of the guys not signed by big promotions and, and tries to to make a profit on each individual show as opposed to having a a long term business plan and setting up divisions and champions and things like that. Case in point, Paul Daly's a 170 pound fighter fighting uh, George Masvidal, who's a, a natural lightweight. Joey Villasenor is a middleweight fighting a natural um, welterweight in Danilo Villafort. Uh, which, by the way, if you don't, if you've, you've never seen Danilo Villafort uh, fight, look up his, his WEC fight a couple years ago against Mike Campbell. It's uh, one of the most one of the most exciting, most fun one round fights you'll ever get to see. Um, but right. even Aside from the main card, even the undercard has has guys on it that you'd want to see fight. Um, it's it's a deep undercard, uh, deeper than some you know UFC fight night undercards that are mostly filled with debuting fighters that you've never heard of in mid level prospects. Um, there's and it's streaming on Sherdog too. Let's just throw that plug out to the to the fine wonderful people at Sherdog that they're streaming <laughs> five fights. And you know what? I, I have no problem plugging sh- shark fights getting there their card in their their product scene um and especially maybe that'll entice a few more people to throw down their their hard-earned thirty dollars after watching those those undercard fights um but i like the card i think there'll be a lot of fights this is basically an audition for every fighter on the main card um to to get picked up by a bigger promotion after this fight and if not then you know maybe shark fights gives them a call next time around and says hey we we did good business with you last time um, how about another fight? And, and that's more business for, for both both parties. So, um, you know, thumbs up all around for this card. We've got about 40 minutes left in the show today, and we've got a number of things we'll be touching on here uh, before we get out. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can call in to 646-716-8090. Press 1 to indicate you want to talk. You can also join the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash MMATorch. We are here every Tuesday night from 9 to 10.30 p.m., Eastern Time. Uh, you can also follow us on the web throughout the week at MMATorch.com or on your iPhone or Android uh, phone um, with our app in both stores. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook, twitter.com slash MMATorch, facebook.com slash MMATorch. We're going to switch gears and move it over to the UFC. Uh, they announced last week, well, the UFC did not announce, but the news broke that uh, UFC 123 November headlined by Quentin Jackson and Lyoto Machida, will take place from the Palace of Auburn Hills, uh, just outside of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, (laughs) This is the UFC's first event in Michigan since UFC 9, uh, the first one under the Zufa banner, obviously. And uh, they're putting together an interesting card so far uh, with, uh, uh, along with Jackson and Machida, uh, Phil Davis and Tim Boach are uh, rumored for the card. Uh, Rory McDonald looks to return against Matt Brown. And then Carl Parisian, uh, Parisian sorry, is making his UFC return uh, against Dennis Holman on this card. Uh, the Parisian one is the most interesting aspect of the last week because uh, he's still battling the same anxiety issues that led to him uh, overusing pain pills uh, along with his injuries as well as pulling out of two fights um, and uh, after his last one when he pulled out of UFC 106 where he was supposed to face off against Dustin Hazlett UFC President Dana White said uh, that he would never fight in the UFC again clearly he has changed his stance on that 
this, despite some people trying to equate this situation to the Paul Daly issue, this is a this is a guy dealing with personal issues and uh, not a guy that sucker punched someone after the bell and did something uh, very much against what the sport is about. Uh, Parisian just has had a lot of mental issues that he's been dealing with, a lot of injuries that he's been dealing with, uh, and the UFC is giving him one last shot. If he screws this up, it's likely for sure he will never fight in the UFC again. But uh, he's got a chance here against uh, Dennis Holman, who, well, serviceable, and, and he, he just picked up a big win uh, himself over Ben Saunders. It is not necessarily a fighter that's going to be getting a ton of attention from the UFC anytime soon. So Parisian has a chance to, to make an impression in this fight. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts first on the UFC bringing uh, this event to Detroit and also on Carl Parisian's return to the Octagon? First off, I wish big events and big organizations would stop bringing things to Detroit. Let's just let that city die, the slow, painful death it's dying right now, and come to places like Atlanta that are growing on a weekly basis. Uh, uh-huh. Is that too much to add? Yeah, they, yeah, and they could sell out if they found a 2,000-seat arena in Atlanta, too, because last I checked, this is a sport, and you know, sports in Atlanta. Anyway, so if it's a big deal, we'll go there. We'll be a little late, because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. But we'll go we'll a little early, and you'll wear your number seven Falcon jersey. But yes, I That's understand. Right. That's right, Michael Vick, forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, as far as the card goes, I'm excited to that we're going to get Machida versus Rampage. Uh, I'm also excited that it looks like we we know basically what half the card is going to look like, and that's the only fight that uh, is a surefire main card fight. I assume Phil Davis, Tim Boach will probably make the main card because the UFC wants some eyes on Phil Davis as he gets a little closer to taking the big step up in competition. But Roy McDonald, Max Brown, uh, Screams, Spike Prelims fight. Um, Carl Parisian, I can't imagine after all he's put the UFC through that they're going to put him on any sort of a televised fight considering there's a 25% chance the fight even happens. Um, So luckily that means we'll get at least two or three more fights that are uh, announced that are better than anything other than the main event. Um, so hopefully they'll hopefully they'll put a, a good card together for for you know not their debut in Detroit, um, you know first time they've been there in a long time, um, and and that's sure, a good okay. headliner. But it's it's the that should get a a pretty good um, co-main event to to bolster the card too. Well, I'll say this: if there's a 25% chance of the Parisian fight happening, then they should put it on the Shine Fights card on Saturday on Friday night so as to at least raise the overall percentage chance of that show actually happening. I don't know. I think that's exponential. I think the numbers actually go down in that case. <laughs> well, if there's a 2% chance of that card actually happening, and you throw a 25 on top of it, that might boost it up to like a 5% chance. So, you know, algebra might be off. <laughs> but one twenty three. Sorry, a little too esoteric for myself even. 123 is following the mold that the UFC uses when they go into new markets, and I don't care anything that happened in UFC, you know, 30 and, and beyond when they're running in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and places in Alabama and the Trump Casino. Those don't count, you know, from when Zufa bought it and forward. They're in a new market to them. Um, and they're following their standard, which is to put two big names in a non-title fight on top, support it with some decent names underneath. And we don't know what the whole card is, but we know that the Jackson machine is going to be the main event. And this is the path that they follow going into every new market. 
Uh, there's an exception here and there. Memphis is an exception. They put BJ versus Diego on top. But keep in mind, they were going to put Rashad Rampage on top, and they had to do something, you know, once that fight got pulled. Uh, like I said, there's an exception here and there, but this is their MO. They're not going to put the big title fights into new cities uh, until they know what the market is going to be there. So um, that said, the card itself is too early to really comment on it, but I agree completely with you, Matt, that Brown and McDonald is absolutely going on Spike TV. Um, it's, that's just exactly what, why Matt Brown was born, was to fight on aired prelims on Spike TV. That's his lot in life. I think Phil Davis and Tim Bosch too early to know for sure, but that has Spike written all over it too because, you know, if they get one, even if they get a low rating, say 1 million viewers, that's still more than are going to watch the pay-per-view, and that's the way you get eyes on the guy. And he's not John Jones, so, I mean, they can, they can really slow him down and, and not be hurting his development. Um, MMA Mania reported just a couple hours ago that also on that card is going to be Paul Kelly versus Gabe Rudiger, so it seems like they're determined to keep Paul Kelly on the roster for a few more months. <laughs> and as for I, I, I'm, I'm glad. I, I was just gonna, I, I was gonna move on. If you want to finish up your your thoughts, okay. then. Uh, you gotta, uh, yeah. I was gonna say then is I'm really reluctant to talk about Parisian because I don't have any idea what's running through his head, and I'm not saying that as, as a snob or being snarky or anything. I don't understand what he's going through. So I don't feel proper going, oh, well, get your shit together, or or taking the other side of the argument, oh, and, oh we need to coddle him. I don't know. I mean, mental health, not my field. I just hope that whatever he's going through, he's able to tame those demons and be ready, because if he's not, I, I mean, Dana White's forgiving to a point, you know, but I, I just... I just want the guy to be healthy and content more than anything else. And if once that happens, he's able to fight at the level he used to be or even lesser, fine. Uh, so I, I'm reluctant to over to say anything more about Parisian than that. Agreed. Uh, I find it uh, obviously this card is nowhere near full. We'll probably find out a couple of more fights that'll be definite main card fights, and uh, you know they'll fill in in the cracks here and there, but. Uh, as of this moment, the the fight coming the week before uh, from Oberhausen, Germany, is UFC 122 that will air via tape delay on Spike TV. You know, it doesn't have uh, as high of a main event as Rampage against Machida, but it does have, I think, right now, an overall uh, stronger card with Vitor Belfort and Yushin Okami facing off um, and what amounts to a title eliminator fight in uh, the middleweight division. If Okami can beat Belfour, he cannot be refused a title fight after the Chelston and Anderson Silva fight. Uh, he, he will have earned his shot after years and years of being passed over. Um, but if Belfour wins, he'll have beaten a legitimate top contender, and uh, he'll he'll earn his shot as well at the winner of the Chelston and Anderson Silva rematch, which looks like it's being tar- targeted for uh, Super Bowl weekend in 2011. But also on this card, got Christoph Sashinsky taking on Goran Relich. Uh, the Jorge Rivera-Les car fight that was supposed to come to the Spike TV prelims on UFC 118, uh, with both of them pulling out of that event with an injury, they've been rematched or reset up against each other. Uh, Amir Sadala against Peter Sabata and what could be a very entertaining fight. 
Uh, Jason Brills against Vladimir Machyshenko in what should be a good fight there as well. Uh, also, Rob Kimmins against Kyle Noak. That'll definitely be an undercard fight. Uh, Seth Petrozelli take, getting another shot, uh, taking on Carlos Vemela, who is moving down from the heavyweight division. Uh, and, and it'll be filled out uh, in bouts that will feature Dennis Siever, a, a German native as well, Pascal Krauss, a new uh, German signee of, to the UFC, and the ultimate fighter. Uh lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Eleven's uh, Chris McRae as well is rumored for that card. So, you know, it, there's some really solid matchups for some really entertaining fights on this card as well. And uh, the, the strength of it is is going to rival the pay-per-view the week after unless they add, uh, you know, two or three more uh, much better fights than they have on the 123 card right now. Uh, Matt, your, your thoughts overall on, on the card that UFC's put together for their return to Germany? Honestly, uh, I think if if the, the UK fans, and, and Jim, if you're listening right now, if you complain about the cards like UFC 121, um, or excuse me, UFC 120. Um, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not 121. I love that card. Uh, 120, Look at this card and just thank God that you don't live in Germany because I think this is a one of the weaker numbered events that the UFC has put on in years, um, assuming they don't add anything too terribly big to this. You know, Yushin Okami, Vitor Belfort, while it's an intriguing fight, it's a middleweight title eliminator, um, just really lacks any kind of excitement for me as a main event. Um, and, and if it's not backed up by a decent co-headliner, um, I mean, certainly, no matter what happens, they can't they can't ask fans to pay for this card. Um, there's there's just no real uh, other relevant fights in any of the divisions. You know, Amir Sadala is going to be on the main card just because he's Amir Sadala. He's fun to watch and he's got a good personality. But he's you know ten miles from uh, even thinking about a title shot at 170. And aside from that, there's there's really nothing to sink your teeth into as far as uh, in the top of the division goes in any of these fights. I hope they put something better together because right now this is probably the least anticipated event um, for the rest of the year for the UFC for me. Rich, your thoughts here? Yeah, man, it's still my thunder. <laughs> well, we'll uh, go to the phone lines. We've got a caller online uh, from 617 area code. Uh, area code sorry. Uh, your name and uh, your thoughts here. Hey guys, I'm a long-time listener. It's Alvin Carter here. <laughs> oh, Alvin, I didn't recognize you. your number. Thanks. Had to call from the home phone. Sorry about that. Uh, no, I was. Uh, I called. <laughs> gotcha. Um, well, thanks I for called... listening, at least. 
<laughs> hey, there you go. I um, I definitely had to call when you start talking about the car because I do feel that Germany has. I agree, Matt. I mean, it's a rough card. I um, I've always been a big Vitor Belfort fan, so I'll enjoy seeing him fight. But besides that, um, I mean, there's just you know, I, I'll, I'll give it up for six one seven area code. We got Jorge Rivera, but it's really not much going on. Um, excited to see Kyle Noak fight, but. It's just, That's it's the fight. That's the only fight I care about is Noke Kimmons, which should really yeah. tell you all you need to know about the card. <laughs> it just seems it seems like this could have been a uh, if this was a UFC on versus, I'd be a little more excited. But <laughs> I don't think you can put Vitor Belfort on that. I don't know, but that, that's just my well, two it's still free here. But I mean, I feel bad for the first time in my life for the German populace for having to spend money on this. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. this should be it, – it's it's atrocious. Yeah, I, I already said all I needed to say about it. Yeah. It would be one thing if well, this was – you know, they if Germany was an established market that they know they, they can come to and sell out any 15,000-seat arena and pull a couple million viewers on Spike TV for. But, you know, the the first Germany event wasn't a rousing success. They They met more than the usual opposition. Um, but they said no. We're we're determined to to make this work in Germany. We've we've uh, you know been embraced everywhere we've gone. So we're determined to go back there before the end of the year. Um, this isn't the card to do it with. If you're trying oh. to gain a foothold in a market like this, then then give the people something to to get excited about. And more so than Dennis Seaver and, and Pascal Kraus. Um, you know those are guys that they'll get the the hometown crowd cheer while the night's going on. But I mean. I think you're right, Jamie. I think there are fights on here that are going to be plenty fun to watch. The Alessio Sakara Jorge Rivera fight is going to be fun. Uh, the Christoph Soshinsky Goran Relich fight should be fun. Um, I'm I'm curious to see how Jason Brills capitalizes on all the momentum that he's lost in the interim since his loss to uh, uh, Antonio Hogerio Noguera and, and Kyle Nope, his first first fight outside uh, you know the Ultimate Fighter and the Ultimate Fighter finale. Um, you know, there's there's not it's not that I don't want to see any of these fights. It's just that none of them excite me and none of them have any relevancy within their divisions right now. Yeah, I was looking at it more. All of these fights to be on the same card together. Three of them should be on the undercard of this fight. Three of them should be on the unaired of this one. Three of them should be over here, one of them over there. But you put them all together, why? It doesn't make sense. I understand maybe they don't want to give Germany a great card because it's not going to be on TV anyways, but, geez, that's that's a hell of a mixed message you're sending them. Well, they could have even done, like, they could have put Tito and Hamill on that card and made, gave it a, at least, you know, you got the, the Belfort-Ortiz weight to the fight. <laughs> but um, that, to me, would have made logic if you wanted to go back and go back somewhat impressive. But, um, the, you know, even, even make it an ultimate fighter type series and just put on Court McGee on there and say, okay, we got two guys from the show. You have the winner. Kind of give him, that would be a good pay-per-view for him to kind of be presented a little more and not maybe just be a prelim because on that card he might not have to be. Um, well, I guess that's questionable, but you never know. So I do think that you can overstack a card um, before and after, and then you leave one card just looking like crap. Well, I think for me, I, I just – from a, a match standpoint, I like the way that the fighters match up on this one. And for an event that's going to be uh, tape delayed in the U.S. on Spike TV, uh, I, I don't have much to, to complain about for it. Um, 
from that standpoint, I mean, that that's the um, selfish American fan finally getting some uh, uh, some free fights on Spike TV and um, just enjoying the fact that they're, that I don't have to pay for it. But obviously for, you know, very valid concerns for breaking into the German market and for the German fans having to, to pay to come see this card. Um, you know, both cards in November, they're going to have to price very, very, very conservatively. Um, I, I, November is going to be their lowest drawing gates uh, of the year. It has to be. Going to the Detroit market, you have to uh, be putting the, the lowest price point for any of your pay-per-view events of the year. That, uh, I mean, that, that whole city has been completely ravaged even more than uh, many others due to the recession. And uh, even before the recession, that city uh, has, had, has had a lot of monetary and economical issues. So bringing a car to that area is, I mean, you have to know the market you're going into. The UFC has priced themselves out of sellouts in uh, both Portland and Boston and a number of other areas over the last uh, um, couple of years, and um, sometimes they realize it, sometimes they don't. Uh, here they need to realize ahead of time that uh, it's it's not going to be drawing, um, you know, $600 for the, the floor seats. They're not going to have too many people paying that type of money for those uh, those lower level tickets. So, um, you know, for fans in Detroit, that means people are willing to travel and spend that much money. And I'm going to take an unintended cheap shot at Detroit here. But people aren't willing to travel to Detroit and spend that much money. <laughs> That's true. Although there will be, a, I, mean, I mean, you could have a Canadian contingent coming down if it weren't for the fact that. They're going to turn around, and 124 is going to be in Montreal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because you know, the, Detroit's not too far from uh, some highly populated Canadian cities that people. W- I mean, those Canadian fans that are big UFC fans would travel down to. They came down to uh, Minneapolis and heavily uh, filled the Target Center uh, for George St. Pierre's fight against John Fitch. Um, I know they, they've been vocal down in Chicago. They've been vocal in. Um, some other areas as well, but the Canadian fans will travel, but I, I'm with you, Rich, they're uh, not likely to travel to Detroit, especially with Montreal uh, uh, hosting an event um, the month after, uh, just weeks I, after. So I didn't mean it as a cheat shot at Detroit, because they've gone through enough that I have a little more smart-ass on the internet ripping on uh, on their city with everything that they've you know, suffered through in the last 10 years, but the, the timing to do Detroit doesn't make sense to me because they are going to be in Montreal one month later with a much better card. It doesn't matter what they put underneath that card. It's headlined by George St. Pierre. It's a great card, period, move on. And then they're going to be in Toronto, which is, I believe, a three, three-and-a-half-hour drive from Detroit in March, which is four months later. So I don't understand why they're getting Detroit now. I have no problem with going there. I mean, it's a five-hour, well, six-hour drive for me. Hell, I might even make a trip, Jamie. Um, it, but the timing is it, it, it's illogical and ill-conceived and I mean you, you do who wants to go to I mean of the people of the nine people that want to go to Detroit sorry I had to take the cheap shot who wants to go there in November you know go to Detroit when it's not 38 and gray go to Detroit when it's you know 85 and gray well one thing I guess we also I mean it's a given but we haven't quite mentioned is 
Also, the divisions might not have panned out the way they thought fights have been pushed off because of injury. So maybe when, you know, they're looking in their magic crystal ball, plotting out a year and a half in advance of possible at places, things might have made more sense until certain shakeups happen. So I feel like whenever you get a, a nonsensical two, you know, two cards, like wrong place and wrong matchup, it might be, well, there's just nothing left. And at this point, we've committed because, you know, they have the highest production value. Unlike some organizations, they know where the fight's happening more than a few days before. So they have to stick with it and go with it and make the best of. And that can just maybe put some, you know, some sour grapes in our mouths because we want everything to be like 116 or 117. Well, and that's the thing that they're going to have. That's, I mean, that's the thing that they're going to have with with a lot of these events. I mean, they're going to have these these downturn events that are disappointing in comparison to all of the awesome events that we do get to see. I mean, not every card can can match up to what 116 and 117 provided us. I mean, we were complaining about 118 last weekend, and it, it wasn't even a bad card. It was just it, it was almost average compared to what we had seen earlier in the month. And sometimes these cards that don't have the big names can deliver in bigger ways with more entertaining fights. Uh, I, I mean, UFC 115 looked like a very lackluster, not necessarily entertaining fight card on paper. That one almost matched up to what 116 and 117 brought. So uh, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, we may not be super excited about the matchups right now. They may not make the most sense for the markets they're going into, but they could still be highly enjoyable events when all is said and done. Another thing that doesn't make sense to me here is October is featuring UFC 120, which in the States is going to be aired on Spike TV on the way, but not on pay-per-view. And then one month later, two events later, they're doing the same thing again with the Germany thing. Again, back to the spacing. I can't imagine that their long-term vision said, hey, let's put back-to-back months with free pay-per-views and run a grand total of four numbered events in a, in a seven-week period when they haven't put any show on Spike TV going back to an entire year, UFC 105, with that wonderful card for the fine British folks headlined by Brandon Vera versus anybody. It, it, it's, it's almost like to go to the site's roots in pro wrestling, where they, right now it would seem that they're booking about three minutes in advance. It's almost what it seems like the UFC is doing in, in this specific instance. And it's, it's coming across as scattershot and, and unplanned. And it, it reeks of chaos in the front office, which I'm probably imagining because what the hell do I know? But those, all those things put together, I mean, between the locations and, and the free shows and the weak cards, you know, I mean, if you took 120 and 122 and just stuck it in one of the two places and then hit the other place in, like, February or something, you'd have a much better card, fights that you could spread out, you know, and you're still hitting both of those countries within a, uh, a period of a certain amount of time and not quite as many free shows on Spike TV. I mean, to me, that makes more sense. And now there's word coming out that 126 might be in Pittsburgh in January. Who in the hell wants to go to Pittsburgh in January? Well, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. <laughs> God, hit the north in the summer and hit the south in the winter. That, that, to, me is, that to me is logical. 
Maybe they're more but, worried about expanding in China, and they figure they'll go wherever in the U.S. in the meantime. Yeah, UFC 179 in Beijing. I'll be there. <laughs> you might be. Yeah. yeah, don't hold your breath on that. <laughs> I think it boils down to even when they put on, you know, what we perceive as the lesser cards, um, so they're only pulling in a, you know, $10 million profit on that show instead of a $20 million profit on that show. Um, like you said, they've got bigger business to attend to, opening up offices uh, in Asia and, and trying to get a foothold there and put put on some big shows uh, on the other side of the ocean. But this is, for them, you know, they have their good shows, they have their down shows. Uh, we've established that their their bottom line, uh, you know, pay-per-view audience seems to be about three or 400,000 people at this point. That's still plenty to turn a huge profit every time. They have so many fighters under contract that they have to get fights for. Um, so sometimes, you know, some cards, like you said, they just a, a matter of timing, they get some get overloaded, some get underloaded. Uh, I don't think Detroit is really a, a market that they're desperate to <clears throat> to bring back their show, you know, once or twice a year to. Um, it's not Montreal, it's not Toronto, it's not Las Vegas, it's not L.A., it's not Boston or New York, it's, it's Detroit. It's, um, it's not Atlanta, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's bigger fish to fish to fry. This this show will will come and go, and it'll pass into memory pretty quickly right afterwards. But the UFC will still make their money off of it. Exactly. I mean, if they're gonna come, if they're gonna come to the north in November, at least go to Minneapolis, where, where people are starved for anything to do. You know, I mean, Minneapolis had a uh, a surprising, sorry, sucking up to the boss here, a surprisingly nice turnout for that show, and they're rabid. If albeit misguided about their sports up there, I mean, there's a market that you, you try and cultivate. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot more disposable income in the Twin Cities than there is in Detroit. It it just doesn't make any sense to me that that's where they target it. Well, yeah. one thing. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. To to defend my city here from from Rich for for attacking it, um, uh, not not outright but uh, backhandedly. Uh, I'm not you know, insulting Maple Grove. <laughs> this, is, this is a very this is a very passionate sports state, despite what uh, some want to characterize it as. And uh, the, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of sports things to do with between the Wild and the Minnesota Vikings here. But I agree that bringing it to Minneapolis, if you're going to come in, in the winter to a midwestern city, it would be much better than bringing it to Detroit. Uh, I was all for bringing the UFC to Milwaukee for the first time into your neck of the woods, Rich, uh, with this event, and uh, I, I'm still not sure why that didn't uh, end up taking place, considering uh, the, the WEC uh, nearly came there, and, and Milwaukee was one of the final three cities in the fan voting for that. Uh, you, would, you would have thought that Zufa would have had that on their radar afterward and uh, would have looked for an event there, especially with the card that they're bringing here, if they're going to go to a Midwestern city in the middle of winter, so uh, not not completely sure on the reasoning of it, but I do want to get to a, to a couple other things here since we've got 12 minutes left in the show, uh, one of which we haven't touched on yet was uh, the, the big controversy surrounding Eve Levine and Josh Kostjak this week. Uh, there were comments attributed to Levine in a French-Canadian uh, news publication that uh, went live at canoe.ca. Um, SC Michelson at watchcalebrun.com. 
uh, did a rough translation of the comments from that article uh, that had um, comments attributed to Levine that were very critical of Josh Kostjak, uh, almost disparaging about Josh Kostjak in regards to uh, his fight with Paul Daly and how he matched up against George St. Pierre, uh, leading to Kostjak uh, releasing the following statement on his website. UFC referee Eve Levine is clearly not suited to be a referee after his rant of personal attacks and opinions on me as a fighter. It's supposed to be his job to look at a fight unbiased, but how can anyone trust this guy to fairly referee any fight ever again after his comments? It's scary to think this guy has been calling fights in the octagon for this long. It's very fair to say Mr. Levine will never ref one of my fights again. I would never put all my hard work as a fighter or my livelihood in the hands of this ref. The UFC and the commission would be irresponsible to let him continue his job. And... Uh, any call this guy makes would have to be questioned. You call MMA a professional sport? Well, professional starts at the top. Never would an NFL, NBA, or other major sports official state their personal opinions publicly about a player and keep their job. I now question every call Eve has ever made as a referee. Hopefully no fighter ever has to step into a fight with Eve Levine as a referee. Better get that resume ready, Levine. Well, Levine has now been on damage control this week uh, and has first stated he never gave an interview, uh, which was construed by some as it could have been off the record and comments that weren't supposed to be made uh, public. But Levine cleared it up today uh, with Ariel Helwani at MMAfighting.com and said, uh, I never made those comments on or off the record, um, and that, that, that wasn't me. Those aren't my comics, comments. What else can I say? Uh, the question I have to you guys is, if fans read Kostrick's rant and, and, and he's gone on Twitter and talked about it as well, uh, it's, some, it's, it's not necessarily likely that they're going to see uh, Levine's response to this. Is this something that Levine can recover from, or is this going to be something that stigmatizes him going forward for a lot of fans? Uh, Matt, your thoughts first. I think if he didn't say these things, like he says, and it's unfortunate and people will probably remember that, but, you know, if he did, and, and I don't know how you just make up comments like this out of thin air, um, like, I, I agree with what you said when you, when you first reported the, Jamie, it's, you know, if this is off the record, he's, he's a guy that's allowed to have his opinions too. I mean, what better viewpoint is there on fighters than the referee who's right in the cage with them? Um, certainly, I think, you know, all the, the big-time referees would be the most interesting guys to talk to about um, about the sport just because of the vantage point they have inside the cage about what goes on and, and how they deal with the fighters both inside and out uh, of the cage. But, um, you know, I, I certainly think that we're not going to see Eve Levine main, or, uh, rest the main event at UFC 124. Um, <laughs> aside from that... Uh, you know, this this seems like something that'll probably mostly go away, other than him getting taunted by the you know small group of fans each each time he refs a fight. On uh, the same way that uh, Earl Hebner still gets the you screwed Brett chance whenever he refs a match. Um, but other than that, I think this will this will kind of get swept under the rug and not not be a big deal in a couple more weeks. Oh, Brett Hebner's probably. Um, yeah, if he didn't say this, uh, he needs to sue for. You know, slander, libel, whatever the laws are up there. Uh, if he did, he needs to go away. It's not just a matter of he has an opinion so he can just say whatever he wants because his role is more important than his 
himself. He doesn't have the right, as evil, mean, ordinary Joe, to to talk about fighters in that role because you can't separate evil Levine from evil Levine the rest. He doesn't have that right. Um, that said, whether he said it or not, whether he said it off the record and it got published against his wishes or not, is irrelevant. The damage is done and irreversible. I mean, even after uh, Levine said, no, I, I didn't give an interview like that, Koscheck posted, a, you know, a couple of different uh, tweets on his Twitter. Oh, I hate saying things like that. Tweets on it. Where he says, so someone just had it out for poor Eve. Yeah, right. I just don't give a... F he's never... He's never left one of my fights again and other fighters should watch out. And then three minutes later he said, now I said what I had to say on the matter over it. You know, I mean... And then Eve is saying he never gave that interview. LOL. Yeah, right. Come on, Eve. Man up. Now backtracking these because the UFC called it ass. And this is after he's, you know, said, no, it wasn't me. Damage is done. His career is forever tainted, and not so much among the fans, but among the fighters. You know, you don't think most of the fighters aren't cultivating the exact same opinion. They all fought for each other. You know, he's done well, as far as being credible. And if he didn't say it, that's a damn shame. One yeah, thing. and and the thing the thing with this as well is is the author of the piece, uh, I believe Vincent Morin or whatever his name is. I yeah. didn't get it. Uh, yeah, I can't remember offhand. But uh, yeah. he's the same one that is being sued by David Luazo uh, for writing an article tying Luazo to the mafia based on his uh, sale of uh, of his um, MMA promotion up in Canada that cost Loazzo a spot on UFC 113, uh, and Loazzo is suing him right now, uh, and this, this guy is also being sued for allegedly making false statements uh, against uh, some other people up there as well. So this is not the first that, that this guy has come up with problems with this, and like you said, for Levine, it's a damn shame if he didn't say any of this. And, and I disagree with you slightly. I think in private conversation, it's it's impossible to not have an opinion on something like uh, to not to not have an opinion at all on the fighters that you're you're refing and, and and stuff like that. I think uh, in certain circles, if you if you're talking about stuff like that, as long as it's not being broadcast to the public and it's not something that um, is is out there for public consumption, where people can uh, take it as something that you're um, you know, holding against fighters or whatever, uh, I, I think it's impossible to not have an opinion. But at the same time, I was I was very much of the uh, thought that these types of things cannot be said in public by a referee, especially to in, in an interview format like this. Uh, and Koscheck was right. If if an NFL or NBA ref or something like that came out against a player or a team, they would not be employed by the NFL or the NBA anymore. Plain and simple. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think you're right, Rich. I think, uh, I, I, I think he's going to be tainted in the eyes of fighters, uh, who are not going to want him refing their, their fights anymore. Uh, even, even with his, uh, full on denials and the shadiness, uh, of this guy, the fact is, it's out there. It was translated. People know what was said in there, and they think it was said by him, whether he says he said it or not. Uh, and, and whether he can um, 
ever clear his name from it, Koscheck and, and fighters like him are not going to uh, um, uh, really be comfortable with him fight, uh, roughing their fights. Uh, we've just got a few minutes left here. Alvin, if you want to get a, a couple of thoughts in before we close out since you're still in line with us. Just really quick, um, actually, Ryan and I met Yves Levine, and he was with a fighter talking, and we won't say who because, you know, we don't want him to have another problem, but uh, we wanted to take a picture with him together, and he consciously said, oh, no, I don't take pictures with fighters, you know, and he seemed, and he, he didn't do it in, like, a big way. It was just his practice, and you could kind of see he thought about it, and then we're like, oh, that makes perfect sense, especially this particular fighter who is a fellow countryman. That would have looked pretty pretty awkward. So, I mean, not to say that that one instance means that's how he always practices, but to be that spur of the moment, quick, careful, be that ready just to let us know in a way where we didn't even get like, oh, come on, please, and we took our separate photos, and it was fine. And that's one reason why I'm thinking he might have been a little more careful than to just 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 start talking. I mean, a photo is something that someone could snap on their own, but, you know, to talk, he'd have to do that. And it, it just seems like he also, you know, he's not a complete idiot. He would know what's at stake for like saying your own personal thoughts, even if it was just to someone. I mean, if it was anyone remotely out of his real personal sphere, uh, you know, I think he, I think he might have thought twice before making those comments. Not saying he did or didn't, but I can't just say, oh well, he probably did fess up. Matt, any uh, quick follow-up thoughts here as we're closing out? No, I think you know we, we've seen a precedent that it's worse to to say negative things about the UFC and. Uh, an athletic commission than it is about a fighter. Um, you know, Big John McCarthy basically got blacklisted uh, from the, by the athletic, uh, the Nevada Athletic State Athletic Commission, whereas you know Steve Mazzagatti just doesn't ref Brock Lesnar fights anymore. So I think we probably won't see Evil Bean ever ref a Josh Koscheck fight anymore. And then other than that, that's that's as far as it's going to go. He's not going to get uh, you know de-licensed or you know fined or fired or anything like that. Rich, 90 seconds left. Quick final thoughts. Yeah, Eve Levine should learn from me. If you can't say anything nice about somebody, don't say anything at all. <laughs> well, we've touched on a number of subjects here tonight, uh, and we didn't get to nearly everything uh, as, as there was a lot more little stuff throughout the week, but we'll uh, we'll get to more next week after uh, Shine Fights does or does not go off on Friday night and Shark Fights takes place on Saturday. Bellator takes place in complete obscurity, not even relative obscurity, complete and utter um, lack of viewership on Thursday night, as the entire MMA watching world will likely not be watching Bellator on Thursday, despite what they want to say. Uh, I think they might draw 50 people not directly associated with the venue uh, at the Mahalia Jackson Theater uh, on, on Thursday night, so... Uh, we'll, we'll have plenty more to talk about next week, and we'll uh, get into that and more on another edition of the Tuesday Conversation. Once again, we're here every Tuesday from 9 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, so join us live if you uh, are listening in throughout the week. Uh, also, follow us on MMATorch.com throughout the week. Uh, I want to thank Rich Hansen, Matt Pelkey, and Alvin Carter for calling in late. Uh, so for all three of them, uh, thank you to the fans, and this is Jamie Penick signing off.